Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. of young people leaving the out-of-home care system either end up homeless, unemployed, incarcerated, or a first-time parent as well. There's a lot to be done, and, you know, when these young people have actually been put into foster care in the first place, abandoning young people when they've already been abandoned is not a solution. You're listening to Short Black with me, Sandra Sully. Good women, great chat. It's my great pleasure to welcome to Short Black this morning, Jessica Brown. She's from the Warrior Woman Foundation. Now, Jess set up the foundation to help vulnerable young women become independent and learn the life skills they need. The foundation has a strong focus on young women leaving the out-of-home care system at 18 who suddenly find themselves out in the world without any support. G'day, Jess. Thanks so much for joining us here at Short Black. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. There's so much good material out there about how disadvantaged women do it tough. 3,000 young people come out of home care in Australia every year and 35% of them are homeless within a year. There's staggering statistics. We're really working to change that. At the moment, when young people are in the foster care system, basically on their 18th birthday, they're left to their own devices where all care ceases. And so what we are trying to do, and we have an organisation here in Australia called the home stretch who are lobbying and campaigning for young people to to extend the the age of 18 to 21 years so that young people have an extra three years. They need that support, don't they? Yeah. I mean, a first world country, that should not be happening. It's, mm. it's far too many young people becoming homeless. I know that youth homeless population in Australia, two thirds of them are young people leaving the out of home care system. There's also, you know, really horrifying statistics about that is, you know, collectively and a blanket stat is 50% of young people leaving the out-of-home care system either end up homeless, unemployed, incarcerated or a first-time parent as well. So there's a lot to be done and, you know, when these young people have actually been put into foster care in the first place, abandoning young people when they've already been abandoned is not a solution. We all know financial literacy is so important and yet women, I find, seem to be reluctant to grab a hold of it and understand that without financial literacy, they will end up homeless themselves. We know the new face of homelessness in Australia is older women, so you're tackling it at the right age as they set out on their career paths. Absolutely. 
women over 50 are becoming one of the most vulnerable groups in Australia and growing very quickly. And that's because of the lack of superannuation and that security in their retirement. And so, you know, what we're finding is that we need to be able to start teaching financial literacies as young as possible. You know, I've got 18 year olds doing our Money Girl program at the moment and trying to get them excited about tax and, and superannuation is really hard, but you have to really explain to them the importance of starting right now. Because when I was 20, I didn't think about super. I wasn't even thinking anything really about my future, but it's really important that we do start them now. So what's the best way to start? Because I think for anyone of any age, when it comes to financial literacy, it just seems overwhelming. Yeah, given the, the statistics of older women, you know, that vulnerable group growing, we need to start earlier. We have a six-week course that we do through our Young Warrior Woman program. The first one is, what's your relationship with money? What have you been told about money as a child? Because you do, you, you take on those beliefs and, I guess, choices from your parents and all the people around you. And so it's, what's your relationship with money? The next one is, you know, obviously tax and then superannuation. Then we do even investing. And you might think, well, you know, we do, we're working with young women who are on award wage. There's not a lot of extra dosh to invest. No, but we have this incredible woman called Maryam Muhammad from Money Girl who actually came out from Pakistan with $300 in her pocket. She was fleeing domestic violence and she came out and started Money Girl. She actually does teach them, even if you put $5 away, starting at the very, very beginning, you can start investing your money. What are typically the answers when you ask those questions? I want to kind of understand what you're getting back and what you've, you've got to deal with. When you say, what's your relationship with money? I mean, I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, many of the girls will say money's scarce, money is hard to come by, spend it now because you're not going to have it later. Having money is evil. Evil? <laughs> yeah, just being greedy, you know, saving that money, it's selfish and things like that. It's amazing what comes out of that session. For me, it was always money scarce and it was good. It was a good lesson for all of our mentors as well. We get just as much out of the workshops as, as young warriors as well. You know, giving gifts was something that I always did to show affection because that was what I experienced as a child. And so catching yourself on that is actually really, really sometimes, you know, startling, but also quite empowering to see those patterns that happen. But equally as important, you know, after investing, we have money in relationships. And this is something that makes the Money Girl course holistic. It's not just about financial literacy and budgets and, you know, how to save money. It's about your money and relationships and also identifying the red flags of financial abuse. That's something that's so important to us. A lot of people say to me, you know, why are you doing that as part of the Money Girl course? Not all of your young women that you're working with are from domestic violence situations, but they're vulnerable. These are vulnerable women, and most of them have been through childhood abuse or neglect of something similar to that, and they've got trauma. That makes them vulnerable in, in relationships. They may, may or may not have had positive role models in their lives, and so therefore that makes them vulnerable in the future with relationships and money. And so if we can help them to identify those red flags and make them feel like they're actually in control of their money, so many of them think, you know, I'm not good at maths or they're led to believe that they're not good with money. But when you actually teach it to them and they know that stuff, they're like, oh, hang on, okay. Women who are in trouble and anyone who's young, and as you say, if they haven't been taught the right lessons in life, they just simply don't have the tools to navigate the space. When you're vulnerable, you're that much more emotional. And I think when you're emotional, you make poor choices. 
Absolutely. And when people have been through trauma, they're dealing with the trauma that they're, you know, of their childhood. And that's why our, our program is holistic. We don't just do life skills education. We don't just do money management. We, we build a, a safe connection for them. But it's also about providing them the psychoeducational workshops as well, looking at that holistic approach. Because, you know, you might have young women who have escaped domestic violence. Giving them all the tools and the skills and everything is wonderful. But if you don't address their emotions, their ability to regulate their emotions. It sounds to me it's something as simple as understanding a budget. But the concept of budgeting is beyond a lot of people. I get fascinated that they're not taught the simplistic task of budgeting. I mean, if you budget, you can afford to live within your means. Absolutely. And I think this should be taught in schools. I'm a former high school teacher. Um, I taught for a decade and so I would have liked to have been taught that at school myself other than, you know, sort of having to navigate myself when I was a little bit older. It's so important that we, t- we start younger and actually ESTRA, S-T-R-E-A, Organisation Supporting Women, have implemented a program called Talk Money and it's for young women from year four to year 10. So that's going to be implemented within the schools, which is just fantastic. So I think that will start the conversation of money and help them to feel confident in being able to manage their own money. That's, that's the thing with a lot of the young women that we're working with is they don't see it as something that, you know, it's some, something that someone else manages or they don't think they're good at maths or they don't think that they're capable of taking charge of their own finances and, and their future. And that's, what, that's where we change that mindset. Warrior Woman isn't just for women out of home care, though, is it? It's for anyone who needs help navigating the path ahead. Absolutely. So we do have a a focus on young women leaving the out-of-home care system. However, women displaced, you know, we've got women in refuges who have escaped domestic violence or women who just simply come to us and ask for help. It's become much broader than just the out-of-home care system. So what are your top tips? I mean, I meet you in a cafe randomly at a function or something and I say, look, can you just distill it down for me, the top tips on getting across my money? I would have to say, work out what your money mindset is. Is it serving you? The second one would be, have a look at your taxes and ask your employer. You know, a lot of the young women that we work with are not on the right tax bracket. You know, things like that, just making sure that they're educated about that and they're aware of what their rights are as well. The other thing is, think about super. Start thinking about that, even though it may seem like a long time off you know, telling an 18-year-old that they need to have a million dollars at least to live on in their retirement. Yeah, that's blue sky stuff. So how can that even feel realistic to an 18-year-old? But it has to be, doesn't it? Yeah, just to start thinking that further on down the track that they need to. And keep track of your super every time you change jobs. Your super's going somewhere. You now have opportunities to corral it into one place. That's exactly what, in fact, yesterday we had a superannuation session with our young warriors and it was very much about making sure that you choose one super account so that when you go to a new employer, because by default they'll just put it into their, their one that they, all their employees, and they were really startled to you know, realise that you're actually paying fees on all of those. And Mariam, who, who delivers the Money Girl program, actually did a scenario of how much you could possibly lose by doing it. And so, yeah, the re- simple things like making sure that they roll over to the same account every time you have new employment. You have a history of working in the not-for-profit sector and you launched Warrior Woman at the start of COVID. What were you thinking <laughs> <laughs> and how's it going? That's a really good question. What was I thinking? 
it was not planned. I actually worked, this is my second charity that I've started, working in the space of vulnerable young women. And I had um, been working there for 17 years and the board wanted to go in a different direction. And so I, and I felt like it was going further and further away from my original vision. So I decided to start a new one um, and really address the issues that women are facing in Australia. So I was working with teenage girls, sort of school age girls in my previous charity. And this one is sort of that older demographic of that gap between adolescence and, and adulthood, you know, which is a real gap. And so I resigned from my job in February 2020, literally when the pandemic started. And I was like, what on earth am I going to do? I had this vision and I was thinking, how am I going to fund it? How am I going to find volunteers? How are we going to run programs? How am I going to help these people? And obviously the needs of young women just escalated, you know, with domestic violence, job losses, all of that. And so I was like, okay, the universe has actually landed this on the same month that I literally COVID started and I started the charity. So it actually was a really good refresher for me, um, like a circuit breaker, I guess, where I could really hone in on what it is that I wanted to do, my vision, and to develop programs that were really linked to the outcomes of what young women in Australia needed. We've just seen nationally the consent laws passed to be taught in schools from next year, which is awesome. And people have learned a lot about the concept of coercive control. You're pretty passionate about coercive financial control as well, aren't you? Absolutely. That It goes hand in hand with, with money management and working with vulnerable women. And particularly with COVID, that has, oh, it's just exploded, I guess, in the sense that, you know, with job losses and access to their superannuation. I think I saw an article the other day where it said 70,000 women in Australia could potentially have had to dip into their super under a coercive relationship. The government came back and said they didn't have any evidence of that, but I kind of harumped at the time and thought, well, as if someone's going to sort of say, well, my husband made me dig into my super to pay our bills through COVID. I mean, no one's ever going to have that evidence, are they? No. Coercive control is the reason it is so damaging and such a horrible form of abuse. Every form of abuse is damaging and, and horrible, but it's the it's the manipulation. You know, it may not be bruises, it may not be physical signs that you can see. It could be things like asking, you know, women to get credit cards in their name, getting loans in their name, you know, tapping into their super. It could be purchasing items in their name and then leaving them and then they're left with this incredible debt that is really, really hard to get out of. Mm. Yeah, really, really passionate about, you know, not only domestic violence, but really empowering. And that's why the money management program within our Young Warrior Woman program is so important because we really want to empower these young women to feel in control of their money, see the red flags. And hopefully if we can save young women from entering those relationships or enabling them to get out really quickly, we could be saving lives potentially. So when you're in a relationship, what's the best way to manage your money as a couple? Well, as a couple, it, it's important to communicate and to have equal input into those decisions and to document anything. So if, you, if you're opening loans and things like that, to have everything in writing, which sounds really weird if you're in a, a relationship, but it's, it's really about communication and making sure that both people are benefiting from the decisions made collectively. So you need to be present for all those decisions. Yeah. And a signatory. Yes. And it's not just young women from low socioeconomic areas. It, we have women from all walks of life who have been through 
coercive control and financial abuse. It can happen anywhere. Do you think that the buy now, pay later explosion has exacerbated women's lack of control financially? Because, and not just women, I mean, I think young people see it, you know, as sort of blue sky, there's money for jam, you know, I can get what I want right now and I'll worry about paying it off later. Whereas I grew up in the lay-by era. It's the same concept, you know, this is full payments, but you couldn't actually enjoy what you purchased until you'd paid it off. The difference now is you can enjoy it and then you've got to worry about it later. What's your advice in, in that space? So Mariam has a really a whole topic on this, actually. Basically avoid it. Yeah. Going back to the lay-by situation, which is what she does talk about, is don't spend anything unless you have it to avoid that. The afterpay can work really well if you pay it on time. But yeah. if you don't, and, you know, let's, let's face it, it's a good feeling, you know, purchasing something, but then you lose that. And then down the track when you have all these other payments to do, it's not as exciting. So it's really about teaching young women not to spend money that they don't have. Well, you launched this really two years ago. What's the take-up been like? Fantastic. It's actually gone above sort of anything that I had imagined. And we've got a waiting list of mentors who are wanting to get involved, which is so amazing. There's so many incredible women out there who are willing to support young women which is wonderful. And even last year with our wise warriors, we call them, they were in lockdown themselves. So the group became actually very, very close because we had to put the program online. And they're just the most extraordinary women that we attract to the foundation. So we're lucky to have funding coming in, which is fantastic. We've also had, you know, we've got a waiting list of many, many mentors who are there and I'm not quite sure what to do with at the moment. We have to match the funding to the mentors. So yeah, the foundation is going from strength to strength. It must be very heartening knowing so many good people want to help. Oh, it's amazing. And really, yeah, we, we have a wonderful community in Australia and, and it's amazing to see women working together. I think magic happens when women work together. What we can achieve is just extraordinary. What sort of feedback are you getting from Indigenous women and migrant women about the need to help their daughters become financially literate? Oh, it's so important. And, and I know that Miriam with Money Girl does spend a lot of time working with migrant women as well because of that. And not only do they have barriers with, you know, financially and, you know, with jobs and things like that, but also language barriers as well. We need to have translators and things like that so that we can help them to be able to understand tax and, you know, super and, and how it fits in Australia. That's why it's so important to, to educate them with programs like Money Girl. It's just staggering the amount of migrant women that they are a vulnerable group of themselves and they're underrepresented. And so I think it's really important to be able to shine the light on, on that vulnerability and to be able to support them. And there is more funding coming in, I've noticed, for women who are of migrant descent and, and Indigenous women as well. What sort of support do you get from a, a government level for the programs that you're running? Uh, we get some funding from the New South Wales government. We mainly get our funding from philanthropic groups. So it might be, you know, corporations that are, have our foundation associated with it. It can be private family trusts, donations or sponsorships and things like that. We have a lot of pots that we work on. Yeah, I guess you have to because you need to keep this foundation afloat. 
I remembered um, coming across you. You won New South Wales Woman of the Year in 2013. You founded the Life Changing Experiences Foundation in 2003. The Sister to Sister program for 12 to 18 year olds was a marvellous program, really, wasn't it? And I guess it's mentoring just at a very personal level. Is that still going? It is, yeah. It's amazing that I, because I was a high school teacher, my first charity, Life Changing Experiences Foundation, and the Sister to Sister program, what I wanted to do is be able to give these young women mentors who could be a, a positive role model in their lives. The girls that we were working with were sort of 12 up to 18, so that high school age, and were identified as needing a positive female role model in their lives. So it may be that mum you know, may have had an addiction or mum had died or mum was not present as a parent. So by giving them a strong female role model, um, we were able to show them. I mean, young people only know what they see, so it's, it's unless they see something different. How else do they learn or discover? Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, that program's going strong 18 years on. And so, I, yeah, I've got two charities <laughs> at the moment. You should be really proud of what you're doing, what you've achieved and how much you're giving back. Yeah, and I've got a great team behind me doing that. And yeah, it's exciting to know that you're making a difference. Can you give me an example of one of your favourite success stories? Oh, I've got so many over the years, which is a good thing. Um, I think that I had a young woman that I was working with many years ago and she was a prolific self-harmer and still is sometimes. And she went through, I think she was in and out of psych wards probably three or four or five times within the year that I had her in my first charity. And she, through the support of her, her mentor and the program, she actually was able to manage her mental health issues. And she's now doing her third degree. Wow. She dropped out of school. She's now doing her third degree. I joke about it with her that she is going to be a professor one day. And look, she probably is. She's extremely bright. But she had dropped out of school completely. She actually was homeless, living on the street. I would go and visit her on a park bench. And one night she said to me, do you want to just hang here with me? And, you know, you can just sleep next to me. It's fine. You know, we, we can hang out together. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> and nor should you be here. But yeah, she went through literally sleeping on the, the street. And it was just, the most, you know, leaving her that night. And she'd been drinking as well. I was just absolutely, I can't even explain how, how devastated I was. But then, you know, we continued to support her and she is now in really safe accommodation and, yeah, finishing her third degree. And she's now actually part of the Young Warrior Woman leadership team. So she's giving back in her own way. Yeah, so she was in the out-of-home care system throughout her life and so um, she's been able to give me really valuable advice on all the different services available and resources for the young warriors because she's, you know, she could tell me where to find food. Like she'd say on a Tuesday night, it depends what you feel like eating, but you can go to the Hare Krishnas here in the city or you could go here and you can go to all. And in some respects, I guess one of the beauties of what you do is that you plug people in at the right level to navigate the system because the system is what's really overwhelming for people. It exacerbates that sense of loneliness, doesn't it? And abandonment. Yeah, in her case, it was very, very overwhelming. She she was in and out of hospital a lot too because she'd hurt herself and she knew how to work the system in, a, in the sense of maybe it was too cold outside on the street so she'd harm herself and she'd end up in hospital so that she'd have a bed for the night. Yeah, she knew how to navigate that system so she was smart that way. Yeah. And how do you give back to you? Good question. Self-care is very important. I bet you say that all the time and I'm looking at you thinking, do you look after yourself? I do. I do. I've learned to do that the hard way. 
Um, I've had chronic fatigue from overwork and, and trauma. And that's the thing is everyone needs to practice self-care, but particularly if you have been through a traumatic experiences, it's really, really important to be kind to yourself and, and to be able to fill your own cup so that you can be overflowing to be able to help others. It's like putting your oxygen mask on, on a plane. No use putting it on everyone else if you don't put it on yourself because that's, you know, not, not going to help at all. That's the thing about trauma, though. It takes a long time for you to physically work through it, let alone emotionally and psychologically. You know, there's so many levels of trauma to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, if you, if you do push it down and don't address it, it will come back. It absolutely will always come back in some way, shape or form. You know, it might be years down the track, but it, it is something that you really need to address. And sometimes, you know, the connection between the head and, and what's going on in your body, there isn't that connection happening. And it might be, you know, a mindset of you've just got to keep going, keep going and just pushing all those emotions down. It always catches up though. It'll always catch up with you. How important is counselling in this process? I don't mean just, you know, the financial literacy side of it, but I mean that counselling that gets you to dig deep and find out really what drives the persistent behaviour that might be self-destructive or negative. So important. We do this with our Young Warrior Woman program when we do things like what's your attachment style? Has that affected your relationships in your life? Hang on, hang on. What do you mean attachment style? What styles are there? Like a rescue instantly comes to mind. You attach because you want someone either to rescue or for them to rescue you. Yeah, so then there's this dismissive avoidant. There's also the where you are codependent as well. So you might be a person that really needs to be around another person all the time. It's not a fault though, is it? No, it's just it's really that self-reflection. Um, and, you know, generally we're one or the other or, or a mixture of all four of them. And so it's identifying your patterns and saying, are they serving me? Where has that come from? But it can be things like fight, whether you're a fighter or a f- uh, fight, flight or freeze. In certain situations, people, a lot of young women that I work with are fighters. They'll naturally just get into, you know, arguments and fight that trauma or that conflict in their lives or they run away from it, flight, can't deal with it. Escape. Yeah, or freeze. They just can't, yeah. So it's really, it's really good to be able to know your patterns. You can then sort of look at relationships that you've had through your life and go, okay, absolutely, yes, yes, yeah, that, that, I can understand that now. So it's that self-discovery and that self-awareness mm-hmm. that helps them to catch themselves when they're doing the things that are, may not be self-serving or, or, you know, yeah, just delving into that, that whole trauma healing part of it as well. And that's why it's so important equally as the money management and the life skills and the connection to a group, it's, it's really going into that trauma and trying to heal that. Sometimes you just need that perspective, that objectivity where you can stand back and analyse your behaviour and the pattern of your behaviour. And where it sense. came from. And not blame yourself. Yes, I think that's, that's really, really important. We need to be gentler on ourselves. I think that's why, especially COVID, I think that actually, because the mental health issues became so prevalent during COVID, it was really important for people to be gentle on themselves because everyone was going through some, I mean, COVID was traumatic for everybody, you know, whether it's change or just that disruption to life or losing jobs or just all the different circumstances that kind of went into the mix. So it was a time where we all became on an equal level. It's fascinating, really, when you think about it. We're all stuck in this one boat. 
Exactly. And we all became equal, I guess, in the sense that it didn't matter where you came from, what you did as a job, the virus was the virus and we were all in the same boat, Yeah, dealing with the same issue every day. And I think bringing mental health to the surface was something that was the good things that came out of COVID. It was, it was to start having that conversation about it. If you had a wish list, what do you most want to happen? I would like them to raise the age of foster care to 21 because globally the positive changes from doing that have been exponential. I would like to, if I had a magic wand, <laughs> yeah, prevent child abuse in the first place. I think that early intervention, whatever we could do to be able to educate parents. you know. And going back to what I said before is that you only see what you know and if at home is not going to be that example, then instilling that at schools. So that's where it's so amazing that consent education is, is becoming mandatory. Money education is becoming something that is accessible for girls from year four to year 10. Implementing that at school, if they're not getting it at home, then implement it somewhere else so that these young people have the same opportunities than others to be able to become not only, I guess, positively contributing members of the community, but also great parents. And that's, that's what breaking that cycle is so important is to make sure, and a lot of the girls say to me, I'm never going to let my kids grow up the same way I did. It's not going to happen. When I hear that, that's fantastic. Yeah, it kind of gives me a chill because you know that you've actually changed someone's life and the next couple of generations if they learn. Knowledge is power at the end of the day, isn't it? Absolutely. It really is. Well, if people are really interested and they want to find out more about the Warrior Woman Foundation, how do they do it? Just go to our website, warriorwoman.org.au. And we'll have all the information there, all the instructions on how to enrol as being a mentor and instructions on how to donate. I would presume you'll accept any sort of donation. If I wanted to give some money, for example, how do I know it's going to the right place and getting used properly? That's a really good question. We're really transparent about that. We have no overheads. We have no office. I'm a volunteer still. (laughs) So all the money goes directly to the direct delivery of the program. And um, obviously we've got financials that are on the ACNC website as well where you can see that. You're a marvellous woman, Jessica Brown, changing the lives of so many young Australians. Thanks so much for everything you do. We love it. So good luck with the road ahead. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here at Short Black. We really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Sandra. You have been listening to Short Black, a Network 10 podcast. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.